welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests has delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered ever to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone is the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Welcome, saints, to Christ the King Sunday. The last Sunday of the liturgical calendar, and next week we celebrate the season of Advent with the promise of the Christ to come. Over the past 50 years, the Christian faith has been witness to devastating decline. Two-thirds of those walking away from their faith have been our youth in their middle and high school years. The foundation of our everlasting kingdom is being targeted. He alone who owns the truth gains the future. Adolf Hitler. Christ the King Sunday. A festival of liturgical calendar that in comparative history to the rest of our traditional events is relatively new. In 1925, a Roman Catholic Pope, Pius XI, mandated an annual celebration as a renewal dedication of mankind to Christ the King. The worldly dangers of communism were evident of this time. Just a few years earlier, communist officials declared in St. Petersburg, Russia, That by the 21st century, the entire world would embrace communism and the Christian faith would cease to exist. Not long after the Nazi regime declared that they would outlast the followers of Jesus, Pope Pius saw that a renewal of faith was necessary course of construction. The annual celebration was originally established 
to fall on the last Sunday in October and on the Sunday preceding All Saints Day. Later, the feast of the Christ the King was moved to the last Sunday of the church year and the Sunday prior to the beginning of the season of Advent. Symbolic placement of the events of the church. The church year begins with the season of Advent and the promise of the coming of the Christ and comes full circle with the celebration of Christ the King. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The common theme in the readings of today easily stands out. The kingdom of Christ and His everlasting reign. Now, the three-year lectionary with the prescribed scriptures for the day has us conclude with the gospel scripture of John, verses 33 through 37. Then Pilate said to him, So you are the king. Jesus answered, You say that I am the king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who comes into the truth hears my word. That's where the lectionary instructs us to stop. This entire gospel reading, if you pull out your Bibles, uh, it's one entire paragraph. Except for one sentence. Left out there dangling. Omitted, perhaps, for the exact reason I will share it today. Everyone who comes into the truth hears my word. Then the paragraph concludes with the words of Pilate. What is truth? What is truth? Now, perhaps Pilate was being sincere. The times in which they lived were extremely confusing. Multiple gauze of paganism and uncertainty to the truth. Nonetheless, a question of doubt and confusion. A question that undermines authority. This is definitely not the first time a question such as this has been asked in the scriptures. In Genesis 3 verse 1 reads, He said to the woman, Did God actually say? The serpent attacks the authority of God in the cycle of confusion, uncertainty, and exile from the one true God begins with the great fall. The evil one who has used this method ever since And it works. It worked with Adam and Eve. It worked throughout the narrative of the Old Testament and into the New. What is truth? That injection of doubt. Who is the true authority? What is our moral compass? Our foundation? Our true north? Pope Pius VI in his writings referred to the chief causes of the difficulties under which mankind was laboring. He states that the evils in the world were due to the fact that the majority of men had thrust Christ and his holy law out of their lives. That they had no place either in private affairs or in politics. And he he said further that as long as individuals and states refused to submit to the rule of our Savior, there would be no hopeful prospect of a lasting peace among nations. Much like 1925 with Pope Pius VI, current events of our society have been dramatic enough for some Christian leaders to warn that a course correction for the church today is drastically needed. There is confusion and doubt. 
People are seeking to define the true authority. The church today has never been more passive, more complacent, and more politically correct than now. Political correctness. Confronting to a belief that one's language and practices should not offend social sensibilities. Peace first, standards second. The moral compass is being diminished. Humans are softening the law, putting their own social statements to the truth and interjecting confusion. Did God really say not to eat of the tree? Martin Luther recognized truth as a higher good than peace, both vital, but you cannot place peace before truth for the sake of maintaining social harmony. Right now, we, co- we care more about instant gratification of being liked than about being right. Desire for peace is good, but we err in putting peace first, making toleration a priority and diminishing standards for the sake of avoiding conflicts. Peace itself is lost when truth takes a backseat to it. What is truth? Well, eventually... Over time, if we earthly beings are left to determine that for each individual self, my truth and your truth are seen for what they really are, no truth. And a culture without any grasp of truth is a culture without any connection to reality, a culture thus doomed to die. We can still avoid demise. But to do so, a serious consideration for truth to serve as the guiding principle of our civilization needs to be renewed. We can know that truth is more important than peace because the only peace worth living with having in the first place is true peace. The prophet Jeremiah cursed those who cried peace, peace, when there is no peace. But truth, on the other hand, is worth having, even when it leads to conflict. C.S. Lewis, in his essay, First and Second Things, states, We can know that truth trumps peace, because when we subordinate truth to peace, we lose not only truth, but peace as well. Is peace important? Absolutely. In fact, it's it's probably the ultimate objective. We read in Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one and another. Salvation from evil, harmony with our neighbor, an everlasting kingdom. Peace is the objective, but is not the end that justifies the means. When the truth is challenged, truth comes first and peace follows. Not to diminish the truth for the sake of peace in the moment. We cannot turn from our truth, our one God, for the social and political correctness of the moment. What is truth? How would you define what truth is? Or what the truth should be? 
when we read the words of Jesus in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. In the laws of Moses, Exodus 20, verse 3, God demands, You shall have no other gods before me. Martin Luther explains the first commandment in the large catechism. A God means that from which we are to expect all good and to which we are to take refuge in all distress. So that to have God is nothing else than to trust and believe in Him from the whole heart. As I have often said, that the, conf- that the confidence and the faith of the heart alone make both God and an idol. If your faith and trust be right, then is your God also true? And on the other hand, if your trust be false and wrong, then you have not the true God. For those two belong together, faith and God, that now I say upon which you set your heart and put your trust is properly your God. Therefore, it is the intent of this commandment to require true faith and trust of the heart, which settles upon the only true God and clings to Him alone. That is much as to say, see it it too, that you let me alone be your God and never seek another. For example, whatever you lack of good things, expect it for me. And look to me for it. And whenever you suffer misfortune and distress, creep and cling to me. I, yes, I will give enough, enough and help you out of every need. Only let not your heart cleave to the rest in any other. Thus, you can easily understand that how much this commandment requires, namely, that man's entire heart and all his confidence be placed in God alone and in no one else. For this reason, he wishes to turn us away from everything else that exists outside of him and to draw us to himself, namely, because he is the only eternal good. How do we accomplish this? Where do we find the good or one God? What is the truth? As Christians, we know that every word in the Bible is true. That it is the foundation upon we live our lives. Knowing what the Bible says about truth helps us to know when we are listening to the voice of truth. In Ephesians 6.10, we read, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over present and darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. In John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts of intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all they're naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and while you lie down and when you rise. Matthew seven twenty four. Everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man built on a house of rock. I would suggest that not only is the scripture the foundation to our righteousness, but our youth are the foundation to our society. Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way you should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Saints, these are some significant verses and scriptures. But I have a question for you. What do you feel is the most important verse in the Bible? Is it John 3.16? Psalms 23? Jeremiah 29.11? All extremely important verses of Scripture. But I would suggest the most important verse to be Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, for if we do not believe that from the very first word of Scripture we read are in fact true, then the rest of it is irrelevant. What is truth? Well, here it is. From the first page to the last, inerrant and infallible, this is our truth, our foundation. This history book, in its entirety, from the beginning to the end, reveals the truth and is true. Inspired word of God and cannot fail. John 8.31 If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. On March 10th, 1522, Martin Luther explained the mounting success of the Reformation in a sermon. With strong confidence in God's word, he declared, I simply taught, I preached, and I wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. Luther saw that God had used him as a mouthpiece for the truth. The Reformation was founded not on him and his teachings, but on the unshakable footing of Scripture alone. Pope Pius VI later wrote, Men must look for the peace of Christ in the kingdom of Christ, and what we promise to do as far as lay in our power. 
in the kingdom of Christ, that is, it seemed to us that peace could not be more effectively restored nor fixed upon a firmer basis than through the restoration of the empire of our Lord. We were led in the meantime to indulge the hope of brighter future at the sight of more widespread and keener interest invinced in Christ and his church, the one source of our salvation, a sign that men who had formerly spurned the rule of the Redeemer had exiled themselves from his kingdom were preparing and even hastening to return to the duty of obedience. The faithful, moreover, by meditating upon these truths, will gain much strength and courage, enabling them to form their lives after the true Christian ideal. If to Christ our Lord is given all power in heaven and on earth, if all men purchased by his precious blood are by new right subjected to his dominion, if this power embraces all men, it must be clear that not one of our faculties is exempt from this empire. He must reign in our minds, which should asset with perfect submission and a firm belief to revealed truths and to the doctrines of Christ. He must reign in our wills, which should obey the laws and precepts of God. He must reign in our hearts, which should spurn natural desires and love of God in all things and cleave to Him alone. He must reign in our bodies and in our members, which should serve as instruments for the interior sanctification of our souls, or to use the words of Apostle Paul as instruments of justice unto God. We have a mission to serve the Lord. How do we do this? By knowing what our truth is, and to put our one God before all things to solidify our foundation in that, to build our everlasting foundation into the future by sharing the word with our children, our neighbors, and putting the truth first. There will be eternal harmony and peace, an everlasting kingdom. Saints, today we celebrate the kingdom of Christ the King. We renew our dedication to our Creator, and we give all glory to Him and His reign over all things. We understand that the path is not always peaceful and there is suffering along the way. Jesus suffered. To Pontius Pilate, what is truth? We answer, our Christ is. With His righteousness, we find salvation and peace by His grace and mercy. He gave His life for us you and me, we know this because He has told us in the Scriptures. Christ is King. In the name of the Lord, Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana and email us at flc at midrivers.com.